0: listening to off the line welcome back everybody to off the line my name is jack today i'm joined by jake and aiden to review the quarterfinals and semifinals of euro 2020
1: jake how are you Hey, Jack, I'm doing good. I'm sure you guys can probably imagine that based on the results. But, yeah, I got don't, don't got much else going on. But, yeah, just very happy with the last two weeks. And it's been, it's been good to watch all the exciting games. And that's about it. Uh, Aiden, how are you doing?
2: I'm very well. Good to be back. The two main men held it down last uh, week, Kane and Sterling, holding it down up front for the boys. And now I'm back. I've just really been enjoying the tournament. It's been great. And I think – Living in North America like we do, I think it's been a really good uh, representation of the sport and really exciting. I don't think hockey fans or anybody else can say, oh, there hasn't been enough excitement in these Euros. They've been amazing. And hopefully the finals the same and not too much controversy with diving or VAR. So, yeah, I'm good. How are you, Jack?
0: Yeah, I'm doing well. And like you said, I I can't remember the last time that I've enjoyed an international tournament this much. This might be the best time or the best tournament that I can remember off the top of my head it's it's been super enjoyable especially with the fact when you get teams like Denmark who who make it all the way to the semifinals and I think like obviously part of that has to do with the fact that they've they've expanded the number of teams who are in the tournament and getting out of the group stage and stuff but overall I think it's been really really enjoyable and um yeah definitely definitely one of the best tournaments that i've seen jake just before we actually get into
1: going over the games how have you enjoyed it so far yeah it's been really nice and obviously like like we mentioned just it's kind of a weird thing to mention but just the time difference kind of works out nicely as well for us just like wake up at 9 8, 9 a.m you watch the game then you got a little game at, at noon and then at 3 p.m that basically covers up the whole day so it's been really good and yeah like you mentioned it's been a really like a really high quality tournament and I don't remember like this many games going to like extra time or having so much riding on it right until the last minute and yeah it's been it's been very very enjoyable and like like you guys said I'd I'd rank it very very near to the top of like the best tournaments I've watched in in my lifetime so far so yeah yeah I don't really have much else to say than, than I already said but yeah it's been it's been really high quality and I'm just glad glad for it
0: yeah, for sure. We'll start off by going over the quarterfinal games. We'll, we'll quickly touch on those because I'm sure we wanted to talk a little bit more about the semifinals and the finals, but we'll start off Switzerland on Spain. Spain advancing 3-1 on penalties. Uh, to be honest, like I've already told you guys I, I didn't actually see this game because I was working, uh, but both of you guys saw it, so I'll have to let you guys discuss it. But uh, how, how was Spain? We've Obviously, we saw them in the in the semis, but how, how were they in this one?
1: Yeah, th- they were really good. They pretty much dominated this game, but it was, again, the same issue with Spain that the three of us highlighted before the tournament, just that we're not sure, like, where the goals will come from. And obviously, they had those that two-game span where they scored 10 goals in the two games, and then this game was, like, a, a reversion back to, like, the Sweden and Poland games where they just dominated and created, a, like, a very high amount of chances, but they just couldn't convert them. I and you, you guys know I don't always just purely go off the stats but they had 28 total shots in this game and, and 10 on target compared to eight total shots and two on target for Switzerland yet they still ended up tying so it's not really the kind of thing that, that you'd want from from Spain's point of view Um, and they did get their goal very early too but again it wasn't even one of their own players who scored it was Zakaria who I think it was a long-range Jordi Alba shot and he tried to, to clear it and he just got his clearance wrong and it went it went the wrong way and wrong footed uh, Jan Sommer in that and and yeah that, that opened the scoring for Spain early on in the eighth minute but they couldn't really get much done after that and and obviously that's been the main thing for them this whole tournament really I know we're gonna touch on the Italy game later as well but that was again another like recurring theme where, where they couldn't really put the ball in the back of the net against Italy and and yeah I know I, I already mentioned it but again the same thing is in the Sweden and and Poland games as well so that's probably what like if spain would have had like a a top class number nine they probably could have won the tournament like not easily but they would have had a really good chance and it just would have solved like most of their problems because even though like the back line isn't great just by the names like eric garcia pal torres like laporte like they're all very good but they're not like well maybe except for laporte but they're not all like high high classic where like barcelona real madrid etc would want to buy them uh at the moment yet anyway but i know that's kind of wrong because eric garcia signed for barcelona but i think you guys know what i mean like if you name like your top five or ten central defenders they wouldn't be on the list um but yeah other than that like it was again good like switzerland we know what kind of team they are they're pretty solid but they're not going to be like outstanding either obviously they, they beat france in the last round but they had a bit of a bit of luck to stay in this one i mean certain Shakir's goal was nice i think i can't remember um which two defenders it was i think it was laporte and torres they kind of like gone in each other's way for the goal and it left an easy cross for for Froiler, for um and shakir just tapped it off the pose with his right foot but then after that uh, i think it was 10 minutes later uh froiler got sent off i think it was a straight red card i thought it was harsh but again obviously i haven't seen like the the instant for over a week now but i think i remember it being harsh like maybe a yellow card tackle but definitely not a red um and that really just changed the game like as soon as that was over um switzerland like absolutely did not go forward at all like extra time it was basically just them camped in their box i remember they subbed on uh who was it fabian Schär and kevin and babu like fairly early on in extra time period and basically the rest of time was just holding on and and hoping to reach penalties which obviously they did but spain came through there um it's kind of weird like you kind of knew switzerland went went on penalties it it was just kind of weird one but there's no team in Euro history that, that has ever won two shootouts in the same competition. Um, so you, you kind of knew, like, we're right at that moment. And, and, and a lot of their shots were not great, I think. Like, Kanji had one save, Shar had one save, and maybe another player had one save. So, yeah, it wasn't a great way to end for Switzerland. But I guess it was tough for them, you know. They didn't have Shaka to start the game. He was suspended. And, and like I mentioned, like, Forler got sent off in the 77th minute. So they basically lost their whole first choice. Um center midfield right there and obviously that makes a huge difference to a team like like switzerland who are good but they don't have like high quality depth um everywhere across the field so yeah that that probably was the the killer blow for them in, in my opinion but yeah that's about it they did really well and they were a nice team to watch but spain definitely deserved to go through from this one but yeah aiden what did you think about this game
2: Yeah, you touched on a lot of the the main points there, just Spain really dominating possession. But for me, whenever Spain was playing, like you saw in the Italy game, like you were touching on, even though they're dominating, you're not really sure if they're going to be able to score. So I... Uh, as long as Switzerland was only down by one goal I thought that they could still come into the game and they were really only down one goal because of like three or four players like other than missing his penalty Akanji was like a man mountain at the back he was unbelievable in the game same with Elvedi Uh, Vidmer had a decent game too a couple of other players I didn't really know uh, before the tournament like Zuber and and players like that but they, they were really impressive and yeah. Yeah. You were right. It was, uh, it was Laporte and, uh, Pau Torres. You got their wires crossed in that goal. That was a pretty, pretty bad mistake. But, um, other than that, there wasn't really too much to say. The only other thing was that the other player that, uh, missed the penalty was Vargas, the youngster. He just completely lost his head and blazed it over the bar. Uh, but yeah, Spain probably deserved, but I think that Switzerland would be kicking themselves after a uh, rolled the first penalty off the post, uh, they really had a chance there and they kind of just folded up and didn't really have much conviction on their penalties at all. And uh, yeah, Jan Sommer had a really good tournament. Uh, Looking at the stats, he didn't really have a great season in the Bundesliga, but he has been a top goalie over the past season. So he had a bit of a down year in the Bundesliga, but his tournament was excellent. So that was nice to see. And, And not too much. We already know what happened with Spain later, but they, they were really impressive. And this whole tournament, kind of taught me that i don't know too much about international football which is fair and one of the big highlights is uh jake and i were talking about it before we really underestimated spain before this tournament and i won't be doing that again because they can just keep the ball no matter what that's i guess just based off how they play their their whole philosophy and everything in their national team and la liga so i really i won't be uh, discounting that in the future for sure but that's all i have to say
0: i think that like for in switzerland's case i think that like Just seems like eventually they weren't going to be able to keep going with the squad that they had. They did really well. But like you guys said, with the depth, the lack of depth and Jack missing this game, and he was so, so good against France that they just weren't going to be able to beat the Spain team. And I don't know, for for Spain, I think we'll we'll discuss Spain a little bit more. But part of the problem is that like when we think of Spain, we were a little bit like when we were like growing up, we saw the like 2008 and 2012 Spain, where they were absolutely amazing, just so good. And and like although they wouldn't blow teams out of the water, they could control games, and it looked like they could not be beaten at that point. But like although they don't have the same players now, I think that we might have um, maybe in the group stages and stuff because they weren't scoring, we might have been underestimating them. There probably are. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about the Italy Spain semi-final game but Spain the sense that they still control the games they just weren't putting away those chances and this one, unfortunately fortunately for them they were able to win on penalties it looks like Switzerland just cashed in all of their their penalty luck against uh against France in the in the previous round but in Spain's case um like you guys said they're just a little bit better than what we thought and because we were making that comparison with with the Spain team of uh of pre of their previous generation we probably just under underrated, underrated them a little bit too much but now yeah, like i said i didn't see this game i'm just basing basing everything off stats and what you guys were saying um but yeah they went through and we'll discuss them in a little bit but we'll move on yep. to wait can i add uh, one more And one we'll touch on yep go ahead
2: Sorry, I just, it was a major point that I just missed as usual, because I'm not really that prepared. But it was that, yeah, I didn't think that the Froiler uh, challenge was a red either. I thought it was just a yellow. So that was all I was going to say. I agreed with Jacob there, which will not be happening in the future of this podcast.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, I, can, I, I to be honest, I don't even remember it, but Spain went through, they were impressive. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Belgium taking on Italy, Italy winning two one. Uh, I did see this one, but we'll we'll go to Jake, the the Italy super fan of the of the podcast. Jake, quick thoughts on on this one, Italy beating Belgium.
1: Yeah, honest, obviously like a, a satisfying result, but this is this is pretty much the only game so far where I thought that Italy would lose going into it, or or I thought there was a good chance anyway. Um, and yeah, that was definitely the case for this one as well. Like over the course of the game, I feel like Italy had the ball more and they they maybe created more chances, but Belgium's chances were like much higher quality, if that makes sense. Um, I'm trying to think of the one, I think Lukaku, obviously the one where Spinazzola blocked it off the line and then Lukaku like kind of missed the, missed the rebound. And there were a couple more chances later on that I think that Belgium would feel like aggrieved that they missed. But other than that, like I think Italy played this game really well. Um, obviously, there's the big talking point for Borella's goal that we, we've seen everywhere of Immobile lying on the ground. Just, and listen, I'm not going to defend at all. It's just absolutely embarrassing, just pretending to be hurt until the ball goes in the back of the net and then he gets up and starts running to join in the celebration. So I'm not even going to attempt to defend that one because there's literally no point. It was just embarrassing. But um, obviously, you guys can imagine I wasn't too bothered with it because, you know, what difference does it make to me? But, but then, yeah, when it, when seeing it curled in the when singing curled in the second goal I was thinking like wow this is a, a really good opportunity now just hold on to the lead like maybe get another one in the second half and really just blow up Belgium but then of course like a minute later then I think it was Doku right Doku who won the penalty from Di Lorenzo again I thought it was soft but listen I'm not gonna hide that I'm biased so probably probably was a penalty I'm, I'll, I'll say it there um but yeah at that point I was I wasn't I was kind of fearing the worst because I said just Italy get a two-goal lead. and You just want them to, you know, do what traditional Italian teams do and just grind out the rest of the game and grind out the result. Then they concede the goal immediately. So I I was feeling pretty nervous going into the second half. And yeah, thankfully, like not too much happened in the second half, to be completely honest. Um, I think Doku had a really good game, though, just running past the Lorenzo every every opportunity and creating a bunch of chances. I think he had a, a shot late in the second half that just rose over the bar, if I remember properly. Um yeah, he played well. It was like the, the normal Belgium. Like they had less possession in Italy, but at at, at points I th- I feel like Belgium were trying to do more with the with the possession, which of course they had to do considering they were down, but it was still like a, a good thing to watch. Like Belgium, we, we all know it's an enjoyable, enjoyable team to watch the way they play. Like they're not too defensive. You feel they play like with wingbacks. you know, they have Thorgenhazard as one's the as one of the wing backs who's obviously not a defender, so they're not afraid of, of um piling forward but yeah other than that I, th- I thought it was really good good for for italy to get like this big test out of the way to be honest just test themselves against a very big team and just obviously knock knock them out of the tournament to make it an easier road to the final and and yeah um all things considered just very happy with the result and can't yeah definitely can't can't argue with with what i'm seeing i was i was very happy i think this was Chiellini either came back for this game or the game before. And I think him and Benucci did a really good job of of shutting down Lukaku aside from that one chance that I mentioned and, and the um, the penalty that he scored, they, they, he wasn't too involved. So it was nice to watch. And obviously you guys can imagine I was very excited after after this game considering that they knocked out probably one of the best teams in the tournament that was left at that point. So yeah, just extremely happy with it. and. And yeah obviously we know what happened, but setting up a semifinal with Spain, which is obviously always a big match for for the na- for nations like these, so I guess we'll, we'll touch on that one later, but yeah, Aiden, what did you think about Belgium Italy
2: yeah, as you guys know, I'm not really the biggest Italy fan uh, to put it lightly, but they have been really good this tournament, so the biggest takeaway from this game i th- I thought they would beat Belgium personally i like I didn't think Belgium would win the tournament because they've already had better chances for me in the past, uh, especially without uh, Eden Hazard. He played in the game before this, uh, once De Bruyne, Portugal. But the main uh, kind of takeaway from the game was that Spinezzola got injured, and I think that's going to be critical for the final. We'll get onto that. But I think that was like a biggest game. De Lorenzo, yeah, it was a little bit soft, but very stupid to – put his leg out there when he was going right onto the byline like if Doku would have been able to keep that ball in and go around and create something that would have been amazing but I think he should have just waited for the cover but those things happen we've seen a lot of penalties so yes uh yeah you got a spot on Immobile embarrassing um uh, we've been seeing that a lot of the Italians it's kind of a historical thing that they like to do feign injury and roll around so that's not really good for the game but it, it has happened uh with Sterling later well yesterday so we'll get onto that Uh, I think that needs to be cleaned up whether there's some sort of second VAR that's just looking out for those type of decisions and telling the referee he needs to go back after the next whistle and give a yellow card or something like that I don't know how exactly they'd be able to police it but I think that it's something that would really help the sport in general but as for this game I don't want to get too off topic I think that Italy did did kind of deserve the win but as each game's progressed, I think that I've seen a little bit more cracks in Italy. Um, just like if teams took their chances against them, I think they would have been in a big spot of bother. Like Lukaku needs to be scoring that one that he missed. Uh, that's just classic Lukaku, though. He's not really a big game player. So, uh, yeah. I know he got his title at, at Inter Milan and stuff, but he that's just his record, right? He doesn't really score in big games. And that Insigne goal was, was really class. And I think... Without Spinazzola, I'm kind of feeling that they're going to need a moment of magic uh, to, to get a goal. I don't really – I haven't been as impressed lately with how they've been going forward, but they definitely deserve to be in the position that they're in. And hopefully Emerson or whoever else is playing can add a little bit of a spark uh, for the final at the left-back position. And then the last thing about Italy as a whole, um, no matter if you get a decent chance against them – which is hard against Benucci and Keaneley for, for the most part, especially if they're not playing with the ball and they can't be countered. Like we even saw against Austria, Arnautovic was able to get in behind them and even run by them a few times, which he's not the paciest player. Uh, but even if you are able to get by those guys, Donnarumma is a wall in the net. So uh, I think that's going to be a big factor. Uh, how many saves can Donnarumma make when he's called on when the big boys come up, Harry Maguire and stuff off corners. But in the next game, because... I just found this game a bit of a battle like and it was just really one off a couple moments of brilliance from Italy. And uh, I don't really agree with um, TSN, Kevin Kilban and, and Caldwell. I didn't agree with that uh, when Immobile went on the ground that it really affected and He should have just kept playing the game. Like I don't really like when people are complaining to the referee he should have just kept playing until the whistle. I mean, you're taught that as, as a kid, and I still don't even think it really affected him. He should have just slid out of the way and just gotten in a better position instead of standing there and looking for a call. So I didn't agree with that. I just think it was kind of funny what Amomali was doing and embarrassing, but I don't think it really affected the play. And I would have been a bit more interested to see this game if Hazard was playing. And other than that, the most impressive player on the field for me was uh, Doku, like you touched on. He had a great tournament and maybe he'll get a big move somewhere else but yeah Italy deserved their win I think
1: yeah it wouldn't surprise me if Doku moves on to be honest I saw like obviously the Athletic like I always quote them like I absolutely love the subscription but I think they were they were talking how there's interest in in Doku like based, not even on the whole tournament just based on the performance versus Italy like he's being pipped for big moves I think like Bruce Dortmund was one, I think uh, Ajax was another one, just, you know, teams like that, like, famed for buying players young and de- developing them, and yeah, like I said, I'm not going to be defending Immobile at all I just think, like like you mentioned, like, really well there, Vermaelen just got distracted, I think, and he just forgot, like, what he was supposed to be focusing on, I think he just it, like, it wasn't a foul or anything, so I think he just focused on this guy rolling on the ground for no reason, and he momentarily, like forgot, like, what he's supposed to be doing, or maybe he was even waiting for a whistle I, I again, I doubt that one, but Maybe he was waiting, maybe he thought the ref would pause it for an injury or something like that. So, again, that that's just, again, embarrassing, not a foul, nothing like that. So, I don't want anyone to, like, confuse what I'm saying. I just think for Malin, again, like, Aiden, me and you, were defenders, so we kind of know this. Like, obviously, nowhere near the same level, but you literally just can't get distracted. Or you can't stop playing because if you do, that kind of thing happens where, um... Where it's like a momentary lapse and the ball's in the back of the net. But I guess I didn't really mention it. Like Barella's goal though was amazing, like obviously based off of that. Um the whole like situation there, but just the way right at the end where he, he wriggled through three defenders, just shifting it with his left foot onto his right and just and just pot it like in the side netting, just touching the back of the post. And, and yeah, it was a beautiful finish. But and actually I'll just stick with the pause. It was a beautiful finish and then and Singh2 was a was a very nice goal and uh Again, we're just, I'm just hoping that Italy don't need to, like, score amazing goals to to score, like, in the final. But, you know, I definitely can't complain from this game. And especially after, sorry, I, I keep rambling, but especially after the Austria game where Italy really struggled until extra time. I was kind of nervous coming into this one because Belgium are obviously superior to Austria. So I was just kind of waiting, like like kind of expecting that if Italy would win, it would be like nil-nil until extra time or something like that. But it was nice to see them score these two goals in the first half and, and really kind of show the attacking prowess that they have. But like you mentioned, Spain, it's all of being out um, definitely makes a, a big a big difference for that uh, in, against this Spain and, and in the final as well. So yeah, that, that's all from, from my point of view. Sorry.
2: Yeah, the second most embarrassing thing after what Immobile did was Benucci trying to defend him in the press conference saying that when you get hit like that you don't feel the pain after a goal and it it means so much so you can get up and just run away it's like dude everybody knows what you're doing the only one that doesn't like it's just how your team is and how you guys play the only ones that don't see it are the italian fans but anyways that was just complete baloney but jack take it away
0: i uh well yeah for i'll just quickly say italy they definitely deserve to go through and they were the better team uh Belgium just seemed to kind of run out of ideas but I thought Italy was the the better team for um like overall they're just more organized But thought Doku yeah really really good for Belgium and just really really talented very fast I do think it was a penalty Jake like um obviously you said it might be a little soft I think that doku if there's no contact there doku the way that he got the touch around him he he would have been able he would have been through on goal so i think it probably was was a penalty um in in that case just not the best defending um but overall just because i don't really want to talk about the details of this game but overall in terms of the game management of italy the (laughs) <laughs> oh it went everything in this game went viral because of how much diving and, and little stuff was going on with Italy it was so bad it was so bad that I had to respect it for at least a game like e- even the, even the um the mobile aid dive and getting out when Benucci said that obviously Aiden you were you were annoyed with that I thought it was hilarious just because it was so so obvious apparently Apparently, the whole Italian team was making fun of uh, making fun of them after after the game like I, I read a couple of reports that said they were all making fun of them saying, like, what were you doing? But like, it was like it, this is such a weird word to use in, in, in North America, but the shithousery. Was just unbelievable. I, I haven't seen anything. like The closest I've seen that for an international game was England against Colombia in the in 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 Russia in the World Cup, where they were like kicking at the penalty spot for uh, for penalties to try to to try to make it harder for for the England players. But uh, it was. I'm going to say probably tasting rolling around on the ground, it was so so impressive that I had to respect it for at least a game. I was like, you know what, fair enough, if you can actually pull that off and get through the game playing like that for a one off game, I'm like, fair enough, you I, I, I kind of have to respect it. And also, to kind of contrast that, Roberto Martinez and his game management, I just I've said this before, I'll just say it again, he just has one game plan doesn't really know how to change anything. He's very very lucky that he has the Belgium job. And to be honest, their their team maybe they need a couple of defenders in there for for next year. But I think that he could have done a better job overall with the the current Belgium team. I think that they could have been in just over the last couple of years should have done better than than they have. But yeah, Italy definitely deserved to to go through. Uh, quickly move on. Touch on this one I, again. This is another one that I didn't see with Denmark beating the Czech Republic 2-1. I'll just let you guys touch on this one really quick. Uh Jake, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, this was again another another really good game. I think probably unless I'm I'm really blanking on someone probably like the two surprise teams of the tournament. Um <clears throat> and we all mentioned like Prior to the tournament starting, like we all mentioned, Denmark's quality and and like how they have very many good players, you know, very many is not really the best thing I could have said. But anyway, uh, like lots of their players playing in the Premier League, like Horberg playing for Spurs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I wouldn't have expected them to reach the semifinals, probably, and the same for the Czech Republic. I wouldn't have expected them to reach the quarterfinals, and it's kind of too bad that they ended up meeting each other because these were two teams that. Like I, I really liked. I want them to go as far as possible, but obviously that's that's the way that the the bracket works and Czech Republic, I guess it's easy to forget that they did finish in third place in the group, but they just played really well and and um, knocked out the Netherlands like like we mentioned last week. But in terms of this game, I think really like Denmark had the had the edge like the whole time. I know the score of two one is is probably pretty close, but I think the Czech Republic like really racked up most of their shots like the last ten, fifteen minutes when when they were desperate and they were really going for it. So I think if you just look at the stats, like they wouldn't be that representative because I think the the Czech Republic had I think five more shots than, than Denmark. So um I don't think that's the way the game went. I think Denmark were much better in the first half, mostly. I think, uh, although Thomas Delaney's goal, was it was, a, it was a, a really good header, and he was left wide open in the box, but it shouldn't have been the corner in the first place. Like, Obviously, it's not... I'm not too bothered, obviously, because I like Denmark, and it's not like the end of the world, but I, I don't think it should have been a corner. It's just unfortunate for like the Czech Republic and the fans that that's kind of how they concede the first goal so early. And, and, um, and then, yeah, Aiden's... Uh, aiden's young player of the group his prediction casper dolberg scored again in this game after after scoring two in the last one against wales but obviously i think we were all like much more impressed with the um with the cross from from again i'm probably gonna butcher his name but myla i think that's i hope that's how you pronounce it but yeah just the outside of, of the foot cross from the left hand side obviously with his right foot and just curling right into the path of dolberg who literally had to do nothing but just make contact with the ball and obviously it was a good finish as well i think he put it up high and right in the corner so that was good just a very cool celebration from dolberg as well but that was a, an absolutely unbelievable cross from from Mila, and really probably won't see i can't really think of anything off the top of my head but probably won't see a, a much better assist than that in this whole tournament and yeah just from the czech republic's point of view just patrick schick scoring again uh bringing his tally. i think what he get five goals in five games which he only scored nine this season for um for Bayer leverkusen so obviously he's had a really good tournament nice of course it always happens on the back of these tournaments but saw him uh linked with some english clubs this morning i think west ham were like the most prominent one so that, w- that would be a good one it'd be kind of interesting i'm not going to go into it at all but i just saw people linking him to Leicester City as well I think he would do really well there. just him and, and Ianacho or sorry him replacing Ianacho, just him and Vardy up front I think they'd be really good but that's not too important um yeah Denmark did well to get through this one um just you know playing their normal 3-4-3 formation uh Damsgaard again been like a revelation of this tournament I saw that the Sandora president was was saying in the media that he'd be willing he won't he won't sell a mother for an offer of 40 to 45 million so yeah he's played really well and, and just overall it's just a, a good game between two teams i really like and it, obviously i just said it was a good game but it was nice that there haven't been too many boring games in this tournament and even the surprise packages are not just like parking the bus super deep and just hoping that they could withstand like all the pressure and score one on the counter so it's nice to see most of the teams trying to play and Yeah, just like we mentioned right at the beginning, just made this tournament much more enjoyable than maybe I would have expected. But um, yeah, Aiden, what did you think about Denmark and Czech Republic?
2: Not too much different than you. Just Denmark, I think, were the higher quality footballers. And I think you could see that on paper. I know that's not how it always goes, but if you look at the teams, you probably think, okay, I know a lot of these Denmark players play in a top five league in Europe, so they just had more quality, I think, especially going forward that male lacrosse that was like a prime Marcelo or something if he was coming down the other side if he was using the left foot but that was amazing and you're right I'm not going to disagree with you Dolberg didn't have to do much but we see that those misses in the tournament like we just talked about in the last game Lukaku missing that one those do come back to haunt you so you just had to focus and and put it away which he should have done but and he did so that was good and other than that, I didn't really think the Czechs had, like, too much other than, like, pumping balls into the box and late on getting a lot of shots. I didn't really think they could break through Denmark too well. And, yeah, the, the Czechs kept on battling, though. That's just how they are. A bunch of head injuries. Suchek and someone else got had to get bandaged up there. And But they kept going, and I don't think that they deserve to go through, so. I was also happy that uh, Denmark went through. I I wasn't here for the last episode, but everything that happened with uh, Ericsson and then how uh, Kier's become a hero. Well, I already liked him, but he's become a hero after that incident. He had a really good tournament, and I was just happy that they were able to go through. And obviously, everything's okay with Ericsson. I didn't mention that, but yeah, these two teams, again, are just another kind of example for me that, the predictions were absolutely garbage. Like my predictions were terrible for this tournament. And uh, yeah, these two teams, like there's not really one on paper. These two teams, they, they had a lot better tournaments obviously than the likes of France and Portugal and other nations. And I don't think we ever really could have imagined that at the beginning. And I also don't really watch too much international football, especially when I was younger outside of these tournaments. So I didn't really know the history of uh, Denmark and how really successful they've been in in the Euros in the past and so I won't really be sleeping on them again same thing I said with Spain but yeah Denmark deserved to go through and uh, yeah that's about it Jack
0: yeah like like I said I didn't see the game but it it seems like Denmark just played the same way as they did in all all the other games and just they're just they're a really good team. I like we'll we'll get on to talking the semifinals in a sec, but just overall, I'm just even though they lost against England in the semi, still very impressed with with their team. And just for the next couple of years or next couple of tournaments, they're definitely a team that I don't think any of us are going to uh overlook again. I just thought I thought their manager is very, very good as well. But yeah, and this one, I don't really have much to say. So I'll, I'll save my all of my my points about denmark for their game against england in the semis uh move on quickly i don't have much to say i did see this one england taking on ukraine obviously we saw ukraine who had a last minute winner against 10 men sweden in the previous rounds take on england uh, england absolutely dominated the game against ukraine it was just like the most basic analysis i can give is just say england played really well Ukraine looked like they were exhausted after about 10 minutes of the game and they were already down a goal by that point. So the Ukraine looked like they just had nothing left to give. Uh made it very, very, very easy for for England, but England were really good in this one. I don't have a lot to say because it was just so dominant and Ukraine really just didn't put up any any fight. But we we mentioned it last week that uh you know, squad depth and fitness and squad rotation is just really, really key in the the later start, the you know, like the the final games of the tournament. And when you have a squad as good as England's with no injuries, with players that are all uh, seemingly fresh, even though some of them have actually played like every single minute of every game, but um, they were just completely dominant in this one. I don't have much to add other than England. Like I was really impressed by by them, but again Ukraine were completely exhausted but uh, I want to give England some credit because they were really good but Jake quick thoughts on this one
1: yeah I'll be relying on you guys for this one I only watched the first half and the second half I had to go for work um but yeah i think it was interesting like ukraine kept their their three or their really their five at the back the the five three two which really isn't surprising i think most people expected that but um obviously didn't didn't work exactly the same way as it did against england i think that there's another difference too like zinchenko played in midfield um except or not except um uh when he played as a left wing back against sweden so that was kind of a difference and obviously against uh sweden he was like their biggest attacking threat really like getting a goal and an assist as well so that his role kind of changed for this game and we know he's like a midfielder by nature so it shouldn't be too surprising but um but yeah it, it was a, a different change anyway they kind of shifted away from just their entire solid midfield like the three for ukraine like Shaparenko. Stepanenko and Sidorchuk—they kind of took away one of them. I think they took away Stepanenko for Zinchenko, so um, that was just a difference. I know I just named a bunch of names, but yeah, it didn't really work a, nearly as as well as they would have expected. Um, from England's point of view, just you know, Sancho completing his move to United maybe two days before, and then um, and then just getting to start in this one as a reward, I guess. Like, a, it was kind of strange that Southgate waited till he went to United to start him, but. Can't can exactly complain with that one, even though he didn't get uh he didn't like get on scorching himself. I think he played really well from what I saw. I I did catch up on the highlights, so I, I saw some I saw those as well. I think Sancho played really well, replacing Saka, who obviously played the, the couple of games before and the game after, which we'll touch on soon. Um but yeah, you know, just Rice and Phillips, they've both receive uh, praise this tournament and yeah they did what they had to do just defend the back four and then pass the ball forward especially phillips so that was good uh luke shaw i can't remember if he got two assists or one but again he's been really really good this tournament i'd say definitely the best left back in the tournament um i think he's got what four assists now as well so that was good he crossing it for for mcguire's goal with his with his big head, it would just be nice to see that a bit more at United. Just Maguire scoring a header. But anyway, we're not going to focus on that right now. And yeah, like you mentioned, it was really a comprehensive performance from England. Um, yeah, even Henderson getting subbed on and scoring his first goal for England, which obviously doesn't exactly fill me with joy, but doesn't really make a difference to me either. Um, you know, Kane's banging form, scoring two goals in this game as well. And and yeah, just everything kind of looking really well for England. Just interesting that they've they've stuck with the back four. For most of the tournament i think all the three of us coming into it we expect them to play like a three four three or you know a five anyway you know what i mean either three or five at the back but it's been interesting they've stuck with a back four most of the time the whole tournament aside for the germany game it's worked out for them um yeah so far and I, the only thing was i expected that they would have started the back five in this one as well just considering that that's what ukraine play and just to match up with them, but they didn't do it. And obviously they took them to the cleaners and it really worked out well for them. So obviously can't be having any arguments about that, but, but yeah, um, that's about it for me. Aiden. Uh, what did you think about this game?
2: Yeah, England absolutely dominated Ukraine. I, I don't really know if it was tiredness, like Jack was saying, lack of squad depth, but they just could not press them. And England had over 90% pass accuracy in the match. And, A big reason for them not being able to press, I don't want to just be biased, but a lot of it was to do with Maguire and Sancho. Uh, Maguire being able to bring the ball out of the back is a big deal. Uh, It's a big deal for United, but there's other players that he can't really pass the ball to reliably in the middle of the park. So that kind of takes that out of the equation. And then Sancho was brilliant just in the tight spaces. Uh, I think he completed the most uh, take-ons, at least in the first half he did, but I'm pretty sure in the in the in the whole match but uh yeah they just couldn't really press them sterling another great game luke shaw best left back in this tournament like jake said two assists pretty straightforward i thought we'd be a lot closer um but it it really wasn't at all and there's not really much to add it's just england were really impressive and when they got the fourth in the early 60th uh minute 63rd or something i thought that it could be a, a route like a 6-0 or something but they kind of just shut it down from there and if if ukraine were going to score i think it would have had to been off like an error from england they weren't they just couldn't get near them in terms of pressing and kind of taking the ball away so that was really that and i'll be interested to see how uh, how england uh, deal with italy's pressing in the final but that's really it um and i wasn't here last week so i'll say all these I guess, quote unquote, smaller nations. They really have played their part in the tournament, whether they've gone out or not. Uh, the likes of Finland and Hungary, uh, Ukraine, Denmark, Czech Republic, Slovakia. We, we kind of, for some of those teams, especially Finland and Hungary, we said they were just here to make up the numbers, but that was not the case at all. And uh, I think every team that participated really showed themselves well, and that includes Ukraine, despite how they kind of got hammered in this match. What do you think, Jack?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that every single team has played their part, and I'm just, I'm to be honest, after a long season, a a COVID season, I'm really surprised with the, uh, not only the the this the like you said so-called smaller teams performing, but also the overall like performance levels, the quality on display. I thought that the players would be a lot more tired. Like obviously, we saw Ukraine were exhausted in that one, but across the board, I think that every every team has has like shown some good stuff in the tournament aside from like you said Aiden, we had some terrible picks early on but jake and i saying turkey were going to be amazing and they were by far the worst team in the tournament but apart from turkey i think every single team in the tournament had had something to say or something to show and was was pretty good to to watch or at least had their moments in the tournament so yeah so this one obviously you england just completely dominant We'll we'll move on to the semi-finals. Italy taking on Spain, one-one uh, draw after extra time. Italy winning four-two on penalties. Jake, again, I'll come to you first. Italy super fan. Thoughts on Italy's win against Spain to take them into the final?
1: Yeah, obviously very pleased. And I, to be honest, it was harder than I expected to be out. Would... Like I've mentioned a couple times already, I, coming into this game, I figured you know Spain can't score, so Italy needs one, and then they just have to shut up shop, and <clears throat> it'll be good. But it didn't exactly work out that way. I know Spain only ends up scoring um uh, one goal, but they really dominated the game for for the most part. I think they were, <laughs> I think they were clearly like the much better team. Um, I think they had like more than double the the amount of passes Italy had. They had like I can't remember what the final tally was but I know for like most parts of the game they would show like the possession and Spain would like regularly be over 70 percent and then they would be like obviously basic math like 30 percent or a bit lower so um it wasn't promising from that point of view but Spain weren't doing too much to hurt them like they had some chances but again it comes to the forwards like I wasn't exactly shaking every single time so I didn't think that they would score most of their chances but like I said Spain Spain were like much better than Italy. I think Danny Olmo really ran the show to be honest. He was really, really good and kind of surprised me because if you if I would have had to like choose someone from Spain's front three to cause problems, I probably wouldn't be going for Almo. Like he's he's been good, but you know, he plays played in Croatia for a long time. He's just gone to RB Leipzig, I think a year and a half ago, where he hasn't been like a regular star. Like he started some games and he'll be on the bench for some games. He gets rotated in and out. So I wasn't too sure about about like his place in the Spain team, but he played really, really well. Um, had a lot of chances Uh, and yeah, you know, he was at the center of everything pretty much for Spain. Um, but yeah, there was some great, the two goals in this game, like they were great goals from, there were obviously different goals, but Chiesa's was, was nice. Like just cuts inside on the left where he was playing on the right, the whole game, but just the one time he found himself on the left and picked up a loose ball. I think it was a mobile who slid to gather it or something like that. It just bounced to Chiesa. Um, and he took a nice touch inside and like kind of curled it it just inside and in the side netting. And you saw like Unai Simon, like he literally didn't move. He he had there was no way he was stopping that. So obviously. Um you guys can imagine that was a satisfying moment. But then um Yeah, it was really sad when Maratha scored. Again, I think he's had three goals in this tournament. So if you look at the tally, he's played well, but I still don't think he's, he's played well, if that makes sense. But it was a really, really nice team goal. I think it was between Maratha and Olmo, who I mentioned earlier. I think they just played Maratha, played the pass to Almo, Olmo gave it back and Maratha slid it like really coolly with his left foot in the, in the bottom corner, just on a just, you know, he, in the position he was in with Maratha, like bearing down a goal, he just had to, he had to guess and, and to try and get the best chance of saving it. And Maratha just put it the, the opposite way. So Donnarumma didn't really have a chance. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, a really good finish and really if Morata could do that more often, he would be a, a much better striker. Like it sounds obvious, but if he just can keep his head in moments like that and then score the goals that he should score and it'd be really nice. Cause that was a really, really nice play. Like obviously at the time I didn't, I didn't exactly enjoy it, but I could, I could definitely appreciate it. It, it was exactly like you mentioned earlier, Jack about Spain and their way of, of playing and just passing the ball and creating chances that way by, by displacing teams. So that was good. Um, and yeah, it came to penalties, and you saw you saw right at the beginning. I was kind of confused about what was going on. I was like our or Jordi Alba and Keelini like best friends or something. So I had I had no idea what was happening, but I saw after like a lot of people were saying that Chiellini was like intimidating Alba and really showing him who's boss. So I don't really know if that's exactly what was happening, but um, I wouldn't exactly argue with it. I, I'm pretty relatively happy with with the outcome, but but yeah, as soon let's be honest, as soon as Locatelli missed the first penalty, I was kind of fearing the worst. I was. I was watching this one at Home Alone, at Home Alone, yeah. So I was kind of like hopping up and down during the penalties. I was very nervous. Obviously, um, I hate to bring it back, but my my last penalties experience with the team I'm invested in was the Europa League final. That didn't exactly go the way I, w- I would have hoped. So I was very nervous for this one. And, and when Locatelli missed, I was kind of expecting it was like one of those oh here we go again kind of kind of moments. But then yeah, literally the next the next moment, I think he should have been like the man of the match. But Almo just skying the penalty over the bar. That kind of Kinda of calmed me down a little bit and then when 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 Maratha was going up to see the penalty. It's like one of those cliche things to say, but you could literally just tell he was gonna miss and you knew just like with his history, like even the way this tournament's gone from, like I mentioned he scored three goals, but missed a penalty in the first game. He's missed a lot of clear cut chances. You kinda of just had a feeling that Maratha was gonna be the one to miss and especially after they showed him on like the jumbotron or whatever, like you kinda of, it was like, all oh, this is the moment. Maratha's definitely gonna miss this one and then um which is obviously unfortunate for him. Like, I don't cheer for for any player to play badly and to be, like, a victim, especially, like we mentioned last week, Jack, after what, like, what's happened with Muratos like, personal life, like, people attacking him and, and his parents and, like, wishing him, like, very bad things on social media. So, obviously, you don't cheer for, like, those kind of moments. But I think it was kind of written in the stars, I guess, if you want to say it that way, which is kind of cringy, but just kind of, the the way I felt about it. And then Jorginho, like we we know the way he takes his penalty. It's just a cool little hop and in, inside it in the corner. And and we saw before he made contact with the ball Unai Simon was already on the on the floor. So I don't know if he was anticipating something different or he he I'm sure he's like seen Jorginho's penalty um technique. So I don't know exactly why he gambled so early, but he just he was just left stranded. Jor- Jorginho just ruled it uh rolled it. Jorginho just rolled it in the corner and and Q wild celebrations in the Fruzzi household for me and, and yeah just very happy to be qualified for the final and I know like what I was saying before the tournament about Italy winning and stuff but I didn't actually believe like Italy would reach the final I think I told you guys um quarterfinals and I would be happy it'd be obviously a, a progress on um on on Italy in general like especially after not qualifying for the 2018 World Cup and yeah I know I might be getting ahead of myself here but if if you had to offer me like a trade-off of not qualifying for the world cup in 2018 but then winning the the next Euro, euro championship i think i would take it and obviously i'm just saying that because i'm in the moment now but yeah as you guys can tell from my rambling i'm very nervous but excited as well and again like i'm not going to say that italy deserved to go through this one but obviously very happy that they did and it kind of kind of prepares me a bit more because italy can withstand like periods of of intense pressure from the opponent so as long as they don't like obviously concede too many i think italy kind of has what it takes to, to get through um the moments when they're tested so very happy about this one um and yeah i think i'll stop talking for now aiden what did you think about italy versus spain
2: it was a really intriguing matchup um one thing is uh Doria Zabel fumbled his touch early on in the game, just completely in. That was a very good chance, I felt, uh, for Spain to take the lead, but he completely bottled that. And I think it was a big fortune anyways uh, when uh, Enrique went without a recognized number nine. The fact that Sarabia was injured might have paved the way for Almo to get into the starting 11. Um, I think Ferran Torres might have started up front over Almo if, uh, Sarabia was fit, Sarabia would play on the left. Uh, but that, that's how the game goes. And Almo had a, had a blinder. Like you said, he played a great game, uh, which I didn't really expect from him. He's one of those players that I don't like a club level and stuff. I don't find him overly. He's not very physical. He, I don't know. I don't, I don't find him to be amazing all the time, but he did have a very good game. So, so that was good from him. Um, but as, as for the rest of it, I think, uh, actually what happened, I think for the the Italy goal was that Laporte tackled mobile and then Eric Garcia was having a nap and then Chiesa uh, scored there. Um, That was what I was a bit confused about. I I know he's my favorite player and I'm being biased. He wasn't fit, but for even to bring him along, Sergio Ramos to have him for a game like this. I don't think anyone in the Spanish squad could argue if he didn't play for the rest of the tournament and you put him in for this game, I don't think anyone is going to go up to Sergio Ramos and say, lad, you don't deserve to play. I think he's going to be like, okay, we're going to win this match. I don't care what it takes. And it just felt, obviously, everyone says, oh, Ramos, defensive mistakes, whatever. But I think it kind of showed uh, when Garcia had to come off. Spain looked very uh, fragile with two left-footed center backs at the back. They they couldn't pass the ball as well. Like Laporte just kept shuttling it back over to Torres. That was later in the match. But... These are the kind of things that I go back to. I just think Ramos really could have done a job in this situation. It's kind of like Henderson. I think he could have got brought along just as an extra player instead of someone else. But for the actual game, yeah, Spain um, dominated. And I'm surprised Jake didn't mention Pedri. Uh, what a game. What a tournament. Jorginho, Verratti, Barella. Step aside. Pedri is here. Uh, he deserved to win the game. Same with Danny Almo. Um, and then the Spain goal, one of the only times I've ever seen Benucci and Chiellini just get fooled by very simple play. And they were yards behind. I swear they were walking by the time that Maratta put it in, but I know I'm being harsh, but these are the kind of things that lose you tournaments like Garcia sleeping on, if he is more alive to that ball, when Laporte tackles, a uh, mobile, then, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, Spain go through and things like that. But, uh, the penalty shootout it was really weird. I don't know if you spotted it, Jacob, but I almost knew, I'm not just saying this, I almost knew Locatelli was going to miss because before the keepers were even halfway to the net, he already had the ball on the spot waiting. So he was just like, seemed very nervous. I was thinking, wow, he really wants to get this over with right now. And uh, of course he did end up missing, but uh, like we saw with Switzerland, kind of let off the hook there because Danny Almo just loses his composure and blazed it over the bar and then the last thing Italy did go through a tough team in Spain that just couldn't find a, a goal but I think that they're gonna maybe need to do a similar type of thing against England um, we we're gonna preview that match later but without Spinazzola it just doesn't really seem like they can get up to pitch as much controlling possession knowing to drive them forward with the ball that's how I see it anyways and sometimes I just feel, even though Immobile was there for that goal, I feel that maybe someone like Balotti could bring the other players into play better because he's very strong and he can hold the ball up. Uh, and sometimes the game before this one, Immobile's touch was very poor. I know he played all right in this one, but I'm just thinking of these things as we go to the final, how, how it pan out. Yeah, I know I'm rambling right now, but there was just a lot in this game. I just really thought that, that Spain deserved it, but deserved is like, kind of a stupid word in sports because that does not matter at the end of the day and italy did job done so congratulations to them but i'm sure spain think wow an opportunity was really blown here and i was impressed how enrique did not play with a recognized striker and they were really i didn't really feel like for the first part of the game that italy could get their bearings and really know how to press spain to get the ball back i think they kind of got um onto it in the middle portion of the game but at at first I think they really had to adjust to that but all in all it'll really go through and not what I wanted to see but I guess it was meant to be and to be honest the last thing I'll say was or two things I guess was Maratta. um I really feel bad for this guy actually like getting all the abuse that he has and people forget he has had really big moments in the Champions League scoring against his former clubs and things like that and I was honestly really happy for him when he scored I didn't expect him to score I was like oh boy when they brought him on but he definitely proved me wrong and I was sad um, when he didn't score I guess the pressure got to him but the only thing that I can think when you're taking a penalty is like just have conviction when you're going for it and I didn't really see that and his penalties and the same with I was saying for Switzerland in the other game. Not really conviction. If you're gonna put it anywhere down the middle, you're in kind of in trouble. So uh at least fire it with pace if you're gonna go down the middle. And then the other last thing that I was going to say was that Jorginho, these Ballon d'Or shouts, people are saying that because of that penalty, oh look how dirty he finessed it in the corner. But it's a penalty. You're supposed to score. Like we know Jorginho's is a fantastic penalty taker. It doesn't matter that he rolled it in the corner. Thiago did the same thing without a st- without that little jump. So just because he scored a penalty that, that you thought looked cool and it was the winner doesn't mean that you should get the Ballon d'Or. That makes absolutely no sense. And that shout is all garbage anyways. So no Jorginho for Ballon d'Or. What do you think, Jack?
0: There you go. I would have to agree with that if we start off with the Jorginho for Ballon d'Or. He is a very good player. Very, very useful in the correct system, like he is used in this team. Uh, that penalty was disgusting, though. That was filthy. But yes, I do agree with the aid, the balance. The sh- door shouts are, are a little bit to, ridiculous. But, but to, to be but honest, talking about
2: sorry, but to be honest, it doesn't matter how, whatever you want to say, filthy it is. If someone smashes it and it goes off the keeper's hands, that's just as good as the other penalty that goes in. So, anyways, keep going.
0: Yeah. Well, but, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, Belotti, his penalty was technically, if you think of it, technically the perfect penalty. He smashed it so hard right into the bottom corner. Unicimum went the right way, and it still didn't matter at all. But it uh, was a filthy penalty by Jorginho. But, yeah, no Ballon d'Or shouts. But in terms of the game as a whole, Spain, like, by the end of extra time, Italy were completely gassed. They just reverted to the old... Italy and just defended for their lives and hoped that they got out, not really offering anything going forward, like you guys said, uh, by the end of the game. And again, just Spain completely dominating Pedri, like you mentioned, and he's amazing. Pedri Pedri's 18 years old. And I know that Enrique came out and said like he had, he didn't even see any to do the things that, that Pedri's doing at, at his age, which is a crazy compliment. But to be honest, like we're we're a little bit too young to remember Iniesta when Iniesta was young. But I it would not surprise me, and like I, I don't think it, it would be a crazy shout to say that Pedri could definitely be the for not this generation, but the next generation's best midfielder in the world. He 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 is he he was Spain's best player, and he's only eighteen years old. It's absolutely insane. Um, like I, I said. For, for a young player to watch, I said Petri, but I didn't, he's like he could have been a player to watch. He's just like he like he just watched him so much composure and skill and his passing ability is unreal. It would not surprise me at all if he's the next best player in the world. And amidst like all of Barcelona's current contract problems, he, out of everybody in my opinion, is the one guy that they not that they're going to try to get rid of him, but he, out of everybody, even over Messi, in my opinion, would be the guy to, to keep if you want the long-term future of the club to, um, to be okay. Cause he, he's the next like greatest thing in my opinion, from, from what I saw in this tournament, he was unbelievable, but yeah, overall thought, thought Spain were really good and really unfortunate not to go through, but like fair play to Italy for, for hanging on and, Obviously, like you said, Aiden's no spin and solo is definitely a, a huge loss for, for them. And we'll talk about the final in a couple minutes. But I, I think that he's a huge loss. And we'll have to see how they adapt in the final just for a one-off game. And and also, for those, like you mentioned, Jake, you didn't know what was going on before the penalty shootout. Did you guys see that Chiellini actually just, like, punched Jordi Alba in the face? He literally punched him. Just put his arm out and just punched him right in the face. I thought that was that was crazy and Jordi Alba was completely like emasculated for that whole time and just looked like so confused and and like intimidated I thought that Chiellini got inside of his head but just overall interesting and again
1: two very good semifinals. we'll talk about England uh, I guess we can talk about England now actually and yeah, and uh, England Denmark this was obviously an interesting game. Like I mentioned earlier, Denmark reaching the semi final, which was obviously something that that I think we all wanted to see, to be honest. But but yeah, obviously in this game I can't deny like England were were a lot better. Um, they had like more of the ball, more chances, more shots, more everything. So I I can't really argue that England deserved to go through um i I don't think it's a secret well obviously not to you guys i don't i don't i don't really like england so i was obviously cheering for denmark for this one and then yeah when when damsgard scored that free kick i was i was like really happy i thought denmark might might be able to pull off but unfortunately um england came came back and ended up winning but yeah damsgard that was um that was the first free kick goal in this entire tournament so that in the in the before last game, so that was a nice surprise. Like Dan's guard. I know we mentioned him a couple of times, and in, in last week as well. But he's definitely someone who's come to the fore um, so far this tournament. I, he didn't even start the tournament. Obviously, their their first game against Finland. Um, but yeah, since then he's been starting. He's really, really improved. Like his reputation, his value. So that's. So, uh, I guess he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, and yeah, uh, I was going to say something. Yeah, sorry, um, Simon Kerr just scoring the own goal uh, nine minutes later. It was unfortunate because he had to make like a, a sliding tackle, I guess, like an attempt to block the cross from Saka because otherwise Sterling was just going to be there to tap it in anyway. So he had to, he absolutely had to um, do what he did. And he was just unfortunate that it bounced off his body and, Right in the top corner, it was just one, or right in the top of the net. It was just one of those where I was thinking, like maybe if he was two yards back, the ball continues to rise and just bounces off the crossbar and, and to safety. So it's just very unfortunate, but obviously nothing you can do about it. Um, nice goal to start off. Just Kane's like through pass through to Saka, like we've mentioned obviously many times so over the course of the season. Just Kane's ability now to drop back and and pass the ball forward and very accurately. And this was an, a goal that was caused by that. He just passed it through. Um, Saka was just on side and, and Saka obviously collected. And crossed it in the box with his right foot then you know like i mentioned just hit, it hit off simon care and, and the top of the net it was very unfortunate from his point of view but yeah uh obviously just a just reward for for england just the way that they were playing and and yeah later on we know um just kane's uh kane's goal uh, he had his pe- his penalty saved and and um sorry and tucked in the rebound but yeah i was just thinking about sorry i was thinking about guard goal i don't know what you guys think um because I didn't really look at it too far in depth. I don't know if you guys thought, think that was, like, a mistake by Pickford or not, because I've seen, like, both sides of the camp. So, I guess I'll, I'll let you guys um, answer that, like, when 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 you guys touch on this game. So, I was just kind of wondering what you guys thought about that. But, yeah, uh, I guess the, the main talking point was the award of the penalty for Sterling. Um, considering the fact that there was, like, an... It was just a very weird situation just because there was an extra ball on the field as well, like, very close to where they were. So, I guess by the rule book, like, if the if a second ball like, interferes with the play, it should be taken off. So I guess it's hard to judge if that ball was interfering or not. And then, then the I guess, it, well, definitely the, the dive for the penalty. I was very angry with that because obviously you guys know I would like Denmark to make the final over England. I would like England to be knocked out and maybe a bit selfishly, I would rather Italy play Denmark than Italy play England. So I was upset with that. I think it was very lucky. And, and yeah, Kane has penalty saved. And, and yeah, he got very lucky with the, with the rebound but he tucked it in didn't make a mistake with it so i guess there was like a lot to unpack with this one I again for this one i didn't really see the second half so i can't really comment exactly on too much but from what i did see um Schmeichel played really well as is kind of usual with him he's a very good goalkeeper who just unfortunately has some mistakes in him in crucial times but this wasn't one of those games he played really well um, and yeah to be honest i don't really have too much else to to say about this one, it was just the expected just England's lineup the only difference I guess was um, Sancho out for Saka to come back in uh once again which I guess I I, when Saka kind of when they announced the squad I thought Saka was nothing more than like a rotation option like for a group game if England had already got six points and they were guaranteed to go through in first kind of thing but I think Saka started three of their knockout stage games so or at, at least two I can't exactly remember I think the round of 16 the quarters or sorry, the round of sixteen, the semi-final, maybe the last group game, I guess. So yeah, Saka started two of the knockout stage games, and I guess he's proved himself to be an important part of the, of, of this England team. I guess he technically gets the assist for the first goal as well. So he's anyway. It's just all I'm saying is that I was kind of surprised with the decision to put him into the lineup, like in general. But I, he's paid it back. He's played. He's played pretty well. Um, and yeah, just really not much else to be honest with you I, I guess obviously just sad for denmark but they're a very good team I, i'm sure they'll bounce back and and yeah just nice to see them playing and, and see a, a dark horse i guess get to the semi-final i, I know what i was saying there which was just kind of all over the place but yeah um aiden what did you think about england and denmark
2: it was a it was a good game england obviously dominated and you missed the second half but it's all england going forward uh it was on a knife edge though, is nerve wracking or like exciting when guard scored that uh that free kick. Um I think for me it can go like both ways. I think it was like a unreal shot even to to want to take that shot on, you know, to we see so many players blaze it over the bar to get it on target there with that amount of power, I think was really impressive. Um but for me I just think that Pickford could have been more central. Uh, we saw a few minutes later after the damn scarred goal that uh, England had a free kick and you saw the difference where Schmeichel was lining up, uh, especially since England are probably going to take the free kick with a right footer. He was lining up more into the middle of the goal because if the right footer was taking the shot, it would have to go. If it, if it goes to the left side of the net, um, it's curling away from him. So I I'm not a goalie, but I think you want to be in more in the middle of the net. So when it's curling away, you'd have a better chance. Whereas if it goes to the right side of the net, it's curling towards you. Uh, I do think like Jack mentioned in in the uh, group chat that Pickford was a little bit unsighted. And uh, I was happy that England were able to pull the result because uh, Pickford did set the record for the minutes with a with a clean sheet so I don't really think that he deserved to be uh, scapegoated or anything like that which he ultimately would have been but I think the other side of the coin is we have to remember this is the highest level supposedly of international football and if a goal is going down kind of the middle of the goal from 25 yards out uh, that's that's a bit of a problem I think in terms of a manager would see it that way anyways so I think Pickford could have done better his positioning and then, but it, it's still, it still can be an amazing strike and the goalkeeper could have done a little bit better. I think it can go both ways. That was a long-winded answer there for what you're asking. But as well as that Saka, yeah, really impressive this tournament. We all bottled those predictions, had him barely making the squad, if anything. Uh, but I guess we should have known if it, if he's impressing in a shocking Arsenal team, he must have a bit of quality about him. And he, I'll, learn, I'll learn that for next time. And he really timed that run to perfection. That, that was an amazing timed run uh, with the pass from Kane to set up the first goal. Uh, other than that, the only way I saw Denmark scoring, they had one opportunity where uh, Stones and Maguire both got dragged to the ball, and it was the pace of Walker that had to make up the ground uh other than that i couldn't really see denmark scoring too too many goals or really at all uh midfield was pretty decent calvin phillips he covers a lot of ground he was giving the ball away earlier in the game but he does cover so much ground that and he does seem to be one of southgate's boys uh, like sterling and kane he he plays pretty much every game thought him and rice were very decent in the middle of the park and then uh The whole back four played well, but I think Maguire and Shaw, I know we're biased with the red tinted glasses, but I think they were really the standouts. Maguire, he was winning a header on every set piece, I swear. And then uh, Luke Shaw just doing Shalberto Carlos type there on the field. So that's all we need to see. And yeah, Sterling, definitely man of the match. It was a good save uh, earlier in the game on Sterling by Schmeichel when he slid to his right, but I still think uh, Sterling needs to finish that we know he he doesn't really do that in in his uh club form a city he doesn't really score too many easy chances or he, he misses a lot of chances before he scores but he was really just creating everything for England and he's he's for me he's blowing away Kane for like England's player of the tournament like him and Luke Shaw for me have been the best players for England uh that takes nothing away from Kane but yeah and then the incident um if I'm going to say something about Italy diving, then you just have to call like a spade a spade and not be biased. Of course, I like England a lot better than Italy, but it was a dive. It's not the same sort of thing that you see with the mobile. where a mobile. is down on the pitch for like, well, I don't know, check my watch half an hour, but uh, it would definitely was a dive, just trying to get the penalty. I think there was like a little bit of slightest contact from the second player. I can't remember. I don't think it was Mela, but, whoever the second player was uh, in there, but nowhere near enough for the penalty. And I think the referee had a bit of a panic there. If he just doesn't call it and lets the ball, the play play out, uh, I don't really think he's taking much of a risk because VAR is going to have a look at it anyways, right? So as soon as he calls it, he really puts the ball kind of in England's court or like puts England in a big advantage because as we know, it's going to have to be clear and obvious mistake to overturn it. I was also surprised though that, they didn't have them go take a second look at it. Um, But I think referees maybe could learn from this instance if VAR is instituted. I already talked about with the Italy thing, like maybe cleaning up the game perhaps there's another second review system uh, to kind of uh, judge these incidents and and come back with retroactive yellow cards. But I think that referees could learn a thing or two from this incident and just say, I'm not going to blow my whistle straight away. Like if I, if I'm not sure maybe like the linesman's do with the, or the linesmen do with the uh, offside, the new rule this year, I'll let the play go on and then I'll let VAR figure it out. If you're not sure, then I don't think with having that safe net of review, you should really be making a, a call because uh, as we know, if, if you make that call, then it's not, even 50 50 right then it's going to come back or it's going to go forward as soon as you make that call it's kind of leaning one way or the other in my opinion given the fact that it has to be clear and obvious I don't know what you guys think about that but I'll let you guys touch on that and then yeah England were just a much better team and I'm really excited for the final I'm glad that they made it to the final just for all the storylines against Italy but I've really been going on here and uh, Schmeichel also made another good save from Maguire but Maguire couldn't get enough uh, purchase on a lot of his headers given the height of the Denmark defense with uh, Kier and Vestergaard and Christensen. But Maguire is a beast. We'd love to see it. Go on, Jack.
0: I thought that like overall England, no matter how they won the game, although it was like technically an own goal and a rebound off of a penalty 2-1, um, although they did win the game, in like I guess on paper like pretty ugly circumstances they did control most of the game and if I'm looking at obviously I'm the same same camp as Jake as I'd rather see Denmark go through than England because it is Denmark it would just be good to see them go all the way to the final if you're looking at objectively England were definitely okay I don't like you said earlier Aiden we don't like to say deserved Deserve to win or deserve to get something out of the game, but in this case, like England did, control and create and dominated nearly the entire game. Again, they've only conceded one goal tournament, it, not from open play either. I think that, in in the case of Pickford, whether he should have saved that one or not, I think I'm kind of again, I'm not a goalie expert, so I don't know about the positioning. And we know that Pickford obviously is not the tallest, but he does the one thing that you can say about Pickford is that his like a very detailed thing but his wrist his hands are usually very strong so like he he got like two small fingers to it so i don't know maybe his positioning was off i i'd like to just benefit like give the benefit of the doubt to the, the strike i thought the strike was incredible to go to get so much power and dip on that i'm like fair play that's just a really good goal i think it would be pretty harsh to say like if, if Pickford dives like when when you see he only got like two fingers to it, if he dives and saves that, that would be like one of the save. It would be the save of the tournament. So uh, I just give benefit to the, to the strike. But again, England and for the criticism of Pickford, I, I wouldn't criticism maybe not for saving that. And coming from an Everton fan, this was a classic Pickford game because he made some all right saves, but it was really chaotic and uh, I wouldn't give him too much stick for letting in that goal. But his distribution, his distribution was shocking. I think you could criticize that all game. I don't know. He just kept smashing it up up the field and out of bounds. Don't know what he was thinking there. I know Kyle Walker kept like yelling at him saying so just pass it short, but um but yeah so Denmark took the lead and in but overall England they did control the game and ultimately I think it came down to the fact that that Denmark, I think they made their subs a little bit too quickly. Then England had so many subs that they could still make an extra time, and then once he once you saw those subs come in, they just really took over. And obviously the the, the own goal of Saka, like you guys said, Saka did really really well. And then it was a nice goal, um, or like an own goal, but it was it was a wall work move, good ball from from Kane, and then the penalty, yeah, like. I don't know. I was I was really annoyed with the penalty cuz even like it, it was a dive. I know there was slight contact. I saw some of the replay like slight contact, but we're talking about Premier League players. These guys are all fit, very physical even though Sterling's pretty short. I know I've I've seen videos with like Manchester City's teammates saying that he's one of the physically strongest in in the team even though he's short. So if if you're that strong and you're just looking to go down, I just just personally I just don't really like it but um like players players do that all the time it's a little bit annoying that the the goal comes off of not even the penalty but a saved penalty that happens to go straight back to to Harry Kane so it's kind of like a, a punch in the gut but i think that the the part that kind of just annoys me the most about the game and like that that's really all i have to say about the game cuz so that england okay like it was ugly but you know they I can't say this for certain, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Let's say they don't get that penalty. I'm sure they probably could have could have scored before it went to penalties with how much control that they had, even though Denmark were defending fairly, like, really well for for most of it, but they were dead on their feet by the end of the game. I think the the, the thing that annoyed me the most was probably, uh, it's just the, the the English media, the way that the penalty was covered in the sense that only one person I only saw one person in the English media come out and say that's never a penalty it was Gary Neville who's the only person where I was like fair play for actually saying this because this is what you should all say and there's no problem in saying this I think Gary Neville came out and basically said never a pen but to be honest I don't care which like fit that's exactly what I would say if that if that goes like in my favor if that was like Canada and the imagine in like the world cup or something you'd be like i don't care that's what everybody should have said i don't know why they're trying to justify it like i sent i sent a thing to to, to jake today because because like jamie Carriger came out with a, a piece um uh, he came out with an an article basically saying that harry kane and who, who is also like kind of flopping all over the place in that game to get some some cheap free kicks that Kane and Sterling weren't diving, they were intelligent, which I, I just like. I just it kind of winds me up because we see in the Premier League that you know these same people come out and, and call out some of the other players who don't happen to be English. They call out like, like, uh, like when they call out like Mo Salah and, and Richarlison and all of these players who, yes, they do. Dive, dive but what they're doing it's no different than you know what like what sterling and and kane are doing and so if i i just it just kind of winded me up the fact that they weren't it was just a little bit hypocritical that's that's all but for the most part england did deserve the win to win the game and the the last person i'll give credit to i think that because you know, before the tournament, in terms of the tactics and everything, I personally just said I just don't really rate Gareth Southgate at all. But we have said even like previous to even our, our predictions to making the England squad is that the England manager job is definitely one of the hardest jobs. And if not the like hardest job in football because of the scrutiny you face and criticism that you face for every single decision. And I think that when it's come to the big decisions in in these games, literally almost every single game, I think he's got it spot on. And um, like one of the biggest ones, in my opinion, that I think went a little bit under the radar was the fact that, that um, Jack Grealish got brought on as a sub. And then in the 105th minute in extra time, got subbed off again for Kieran Trippier, just to share up the defense, just, just to make sure, which, like that's a huge call to to take to take Jack Grealish off, but it, it worked out perfectly. And even if Grealish isn't the happiest with that, because I don't know if it's embarrassing or if it's just tactical, but obviously you probably want to stay on the fact that Southgate, you have to give them credit for saying, like it I don't care what you think, I will be ruthless and make this decision if I think it's gonna help the team win. And so I think this this we've just seen, I think I've seen enough of Southgate in terms of his decisions maybe not the tactics but they've only conceded one goal it wasn't even from open play so maybe I'm being very harsh here just a little bit boring but effective and they're in a final so you can't really say say too much but um yeah that was I just wanted to give Southgate credit and fair play he seems like a really good guy and like if if you know if I'm English I think i be happy with him as a you know a representative of of the country in, in my opinion so it'll be exciting italy england in the final jake what are your predictions for this one do you have
1: any idea who's gonna win well i know for a fact that italy's gonna win this one so that's what i'll be going with i might just go for like <coughs> sorry <coughs> sorry i might go for like a 2-1 a or something like that maybe another late Late goal, like an extra time kind of thing, because obviously we've seen a lot of um, a lot of games go to extra time in this tournament. But yeah, I'm just excited. Like like I, we both mentioned, I would have been um, more comfortable, I guess, playing against uh, Denmark than England. But <clears throat> who knows? Just the fact that the games at uh, at Wembley it'll just make it nicer when when Italy um, win the game and and celebrate in front of all the English fans. I don't know, I I don't know like. I don't know, I'm I'm obviously nervous and excited at the same time because, considering I started watching United like the first season where I started watching them like every single week, kind of thing was <clears throat> was David Moy's first um first season, which I, I know I've mentioned before on the uh, on here, but this is really like the first time that I've seen like a uh, the club or the team like that, that I cheer for like for, in like a major t- trophy final. Like I know. Um, for the Europa League final as well for United but United didn't even end up winning it so I'm just gonna, <laughs> gonna ignore that to be honest like this is and obviously it's it's different for international right it's like the whole country obviously which is literally the the point but it's just like something different like I've never seen obviously like I just said Italy in this position so it's really exciting um nerve-wracking as well but you know just just looking forward to it and yeah I'll so I'll stick to my to my 2-1 prediction uh hopefully it comes to pass but I'm sure, Aiden, I'm sure you have a a different opinion than I do on this one.
2: Yeah, that was quick, Jacob. Um, Before I go into the prediction for the final, I was just, uh, Jack, very good points there. made me think of a couple things. Uh, I don't think uh, we've given enough credit to Gareth Southgate Southgate, as much as we uh, like to chirp him and banter him on this podcast. I think it's time to give him his due. and seen a lot of quotes about how he's a very good leader and just a a calm head. And, and I think that that's important. And you see that because he has stuck to his guns, he's played the two DMs. Uh, I was expecting maybe, maybe one of Phillips and Rice, maybe Mount would play a little bit deeper, but he has really stuck to his guns and he doesn't, I don't think he cares if it's boring. And I think that's the whole thing about tournament football. Like we said, we both thought that, or we all thought that Portugal and France would be the final and, If we look at their past tournament success, it's not very exciting at all. So I don't really think these teams care about that. And I think, like you already mentioned, Jack, that's kind of the secret recipe perhaps for for making it far in a tournament is just focusing on not making mistakes and being solid defensively, which both of these teams really have been the best defensive teams, in my opinion, in a tournament. Uh, and then the second thing was I I was ranting so much on this podcast that I think I f- didn't really highlight like how much I thought that it was like shocking of Sterling to go looking for the penalty. I was talking a lot about the referee, like what he could have done there, but yeah, that was really poor and was embarrassing. I'm not English or anything, but I cheer for England because United players play for England and I want to see them win a trophy because it's not looking too likely at the club right now. So uh, yeah, that's that. But Sterling, Regardless of my cheering for England, not acceptable. And England players dive plenty, like Jack Grealish. No, he can't do any wrong in anyone's eyes, but all he does is dive. That's how he gets the most fouls in the Premier League. So, it's not just reserved for other nations. As for the final, I think it's going to be a very tight game, and it's hard for me to predict because I'm not really sure who's going to have more of the ball in this game. I think Italy would with their quality in the three midfielders, Verratti, Jorginho, and um, Barella. But I don't know if England are going to want to play that way. I I think the best way to beat Italy would be to allow them to have the ball and try to hit them on the counter. But I don't think Gareth's going to set up to have the right players. He needs to have players like Jadon Sancho and Marcus Rashford and stuff like that in the lineup. I know Sterling can do it on the counter, but. I would have one of those two instead of Sacco or Foden or Grealish if they were going to play on the counter. And I think – I know this isn't how it works out because I'm really just looking looking at it on paper given the attributes of the players, but I think they can really turn those old slow center backs around and really get at them. We even saw in the Spain game or or late in the uh, second half of extra time, one time someone – Uh, drew Chiellini outside. They ran at him, isolated him, and cut it back and made a great chance for Spain. I can't really remember the players. And as well as I already touched on earlier, Arnautovic was even able to turn and get in behind, uh, even just run by uh, one of the centre-backs one time. They are great defenders, but every defender can be exploited. Um, There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, Yeah, I don't really have a prediction. I'm just going to say... 2-1 England in extra time. Um, I think that it will be cagey, especially at the the offset of the game. And I have to go for England just because they are playing at home. I know in a lot of people's minds that's going to mount a lot of pressure on the players. But if it didn't in the other games, why would it happen in the final? If the pressure was going to get to them, it probably would have in this last stage against Denmark when they're really supposed to win. So... I think uh, England, in my opinion, are favored. And the other reason I have them favored is because Spinazzola will not be playing uh, one of the standouts for Italy. For me, I don't know about you guys, Jake could comment, but probably Italy's best player. I thought before he went out, uh, especially in terms of being able to create just by himself and create two V one situations. And if that guy's overlapping and, uh, someone commits the defender nobody's going to be able to catch him I don't really think there's anyone that can replicate that obviously Emerson and Di Lorenzo a uh, long-winded way of saying 2-1 and just watch out for set pieces Maguire, Chiellini those type of players can really change a game John Stone so 2-1 England extra time
0: the fact that like you just said Aiden they are at Wembley I think that Personally, I think that England are the favorites in this one. I've seen a lot of people saying Italy are the favorites and have a better team. And I'm like, they do have a better midfield. Italy has a much better midfield than England. But in terms of where England can really hurt Italy, we've seen Italy, they're playing with the high line, like you said, with those old defenders. And we saw them struggle against. You know when they struggled against Spain with before playing Morata without a really traditional striker, and I think that traditional strikers are are um, are easy for people like Kialini and Bonucci to deal with. But in England's case, if they instruct Harry Kane to really drop off and stay and not stay as a traditional striker, almost play as a number 10 or a false nine and they can't really pick them up properly we know that Kane's got great passing ability and I think that if 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 Southgate goes for those very fast players I agree with you and they need pace because the pace that Italy won't be able to deal with the pace if they get Kane to drift out and take Keelan and Benucci just one of them out of position and then play like like Sterling has to play in my opinion but play Sterling in behind I think that like it's been a couple of games and you don't know about that continuity, but just in in the profile of who you'd want, like Rashford, just with because he is so fast and they're not going to catch him. Let's be honest. If they find any space in behind, just even Pickford hitting one over the top, because we know like he can now and then ping like, like now and then like straight onto the feet or wherever he wants to hit it over the top and you get Rashford and Sterling in. I think that it could cause Italy all sorts of problems, and like you said, Aiden, the Spinazzola is a huge, huge loss for them. And although I thought Emerson did well, it's, he's just not Spinazzola. He doesn't have the same engine. He's not physically the same, same profile of player in England. Like no injuries, um, if like a fresh squad. Like like I know they went both teams went to extra time overall, but we've already seen Italy have. have pulled up and had some injuries here, there. Like who's to say Chiellini doesn't like pull up with a hamstring in the middle of the game. Right. So I think that England physically are probably just sharper and more well rested. Although, like I said this earlier in the podcast that they have had some players like Rice and Phillips who've played so much um, like almost every single minute of every game, but I feel like physically physically, England might have the edge. They are at Wembley. And in terms of the pressure from the fans, everything that I've seen so far, it might not be like this for everybody, but a lot of the English fans are already, like they've made the final. So it's progress. It's already progress in the right direction from the, from, uh, from the World Cup in Russia. So like no matter what, they've made the final in its progression. And it's just been the fact that they just haven't made the finals and the semifinals have been such a, a huge hurdle. And based off of like what people have said, who've been in the stadium watching England play these games, they've just said, it's like, not even like no pressure and nerves at all. Just like, they're just so happy with, (laughs) they're just so happy with the team performing and what it represents. And I can see what they mean, like in in terms of just liking, personally liking their manager, liking the individual players because they seem like good people. I think that, like I don't like the it's coming home thing although it is like a bit of just a running joke that people don't really understand if, unless you live in England people don't seem to understand that it is pretty much a joke um, it would fit the narrative of it being at Wembley so yeah I think that England are the favorites I think that they're actually going to win although I do think that from what we've seen throughout the tournament in terms of patterns of play and everything of going forward I think that From when you're looking and saying, what are they actually trying to do from an offensive game plan perspective? I think it's more clear with Italy. You could say that there's maybe more coaching, but we've said this previous on on the podcast before. Coaching and managing are two different things, and maybe this England team. All they need is, the, and if they win, this will prove to be the case, is they, they just need managing, not really coaching. Just figure it out, and I'm just going to manage the the personalities, the fitness, and the uh, and the characters within the squad. So I, I do think England are actually going to win, although uh, it, it's going to be close, and I could definitely see it going to uh, to extra time. But Jake, any, any last thoughts on this one before we wrap up?
1: no not too much just just thinking how heartbreaking it would be to lose a europa league final the european championship final within the same month so yeah that would be devastating um not much else i'm just kind of surprised like to be honest that england made it this far i I always thought of England as like a quarter final maybe a semi-final kind of team um just because to be honest that's what they've been like sorry throughout like my lifetime like they've been like a very talented team who, who never seems to um to to get it together like when they when they need to over the course of a tournament. So I'm kinda of surprised that they've reached a final here. It's kind of like when <laughs> when Liverpool won the league. I couldn't actually quite believe it, but yeah, I guess uh, unfortunately it's it's happening. But um yeah, still confident with Italy. Um it's a very good team, you know, very technical midfield. We all know that. Just in singing Chiesa, just wide players who, who bring different things. So I'm just confident with, with most areas of the team. Like you guys said, Emerson is the um yeah, the outlier. He, he like He's he's okay at doing what Spinazzola does, but obviously he's not as good as Spinazzola at doing it, so that makes a big difference. Um, as well, I guess the fact that he could go on the outside can can go to Italy's advantage sometimes. But Spinetola is also pretty good with his left foot as well. So yeah, just a, a short way of saying I'm, I'm confident. There's obviously a couple a couple errors in, in Italy's squad that that make me nervous, but yeah, that's probably that's the case for like every single international team. So I can't. I can't put too much into it. And, and yeah, I'm sticking my 2-1 my prediction with Italy. And, yeah, it would, it would be one of the one of the happiest moments I've had watching watching soccer over the course of my life if, if Italy won this game. So I'm trying to convince you guys to cheer for Italy, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, that's all I have. Aiden, did you have anything else? I will not be cheering for Italy no matter what you say, but I can just tell
2: by your voice and your face you're really just trying to convince yourself right now. After you just told me you weren't confident in the strikers and the fullbacks. That is not a good start. Really, I think all that... If Italy's going to win, it has to come from the midfield. I don't think they match up too well in the other areas. But we've already gone over it. Our predictions mean nothing. We're just going off the pass. That's all we can do. So good luck to you, Jake. And I'll be wearing the Shaw jersey. And that is usually a curse, as you know. But we broke that the last game I wore it against against Denmark. And England got the job done. So I will be... Very happy when Shaw is holding the trophy. I'll send you a picture. Jack, take her away.
0: Yeah, just just lastly, I know Jake wants Italy to win. It would be hilarious. Like I would, if Italy were to win, I would love it to be, and I think England's probably going to win. But if Italy win, just for the sake of the English media meltdown, because I think some of them, like I said, they do get a little ahead of themselves with like printing out the, Like Italy versus England in the final before England had even played and they were losing it in in part of the game against Denmark. I I just, I don't really agree with it. I would love it if Italy were to win. It has to be through some very controversial thing, in my opinion, just for the meltdown. It would be, it would be just absolutely incredible. Like some controversial call that goes against them, just, just to say, oh, well, I don't know, just these these things happen sometimes, just for the sake of the media meltdown. Um, just I, I think it could be kind of entertaining, and uh, yeah, but I, I do think England are gonna are gonna win. But I think that you know maybe like a penalty off of a dive from like I don't know like Insigne or Immobile would just cause absolute chaos within the stadium. So, well, I'm very excited to watch the game. It's going to be close, like you said, Aiden. Our predictions mean nothing we are idiots and we thought Turkey was actually going to go far in this tournament or Jake and I did at least. So we don't really know anything. Um, We'll be back obviously the, the uh, finals on Sunday. So we'll be back next week to review the, the Euros final. And then I guess we'll start talking a little bit about preseason for the next Premier League season, uh, a little bit of news about Man United and, oh, then we have to go back. I have to go back to talking a little bit about Everton, which I'm just, enjoying so much these euros i don't have to even bother about following my the shambles of a club that is everton but we'll be back next week i guess to start going into that stuff but uh, until then yeah we'll be back follow us on twitter at otl soccer pod and thank you for listening
1: thank you go to lee
0: bye it's coming home